Oh. oh, we lost. <gasps> uh, oh, no. There we go. Live from there it is. JC Newman Cigar Studios in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> Welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my beautiful fiance, Smokin' Nicole. Uh, and tonight, we have a, uh, a very... I always say a very, very special guest, but this one's a very, very special guest. It's a different guest. Um, a, one, probably one of our more fun guests that we will have on the show. Um, the um, A-list starring role of the Hacking Gourmet online show. Um, a, a internet media online Jedi as he's known in some circles. Um, established author. He's an author of this beautiful book right here. <laughs> so long and thanks for the bacon. And formerly of Nomad Cigars, please welcome our very good friend, Mr. Fred Rui. Fred, how are you? I'm good. I don't know how to live to the, up to that. And, you know, the way you use the word special very much came off like short bus special. So I'm okay with that. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean... It depends on how you look at it, I guess, you know. What is the short bus, you know? Uh, what is special? You know, is special good, special bad? I, I, you know what? Special if you, powers? If you, wore, if you wore a helmet and you didn't play on a team, you were special. <laughs> Amen to that, you know. Hey, you know what? Th th those guys, you know, they're heroes too, you know, in their own way. Um, every, every, you know, every, everyone's special no matter what it is that they do or what it is about them. You are special in your own way because you provide... First and foremost, I mean, the most entertaining Facebook posts and tweets. Um, <laughs> that's what makes you special. Uh, oh, the, quite the, frankly, in the, in the last couple of years, that's just lack of options. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean... Sorry, as I, as I finish lighting up my cigar here. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on. Let's time out. Was that a Davidoff lighter? No. Oh, because I thought I heard the ping. I'm like, that would have been a very good show flex right there, just very subtly, you know, launching that off there. It's but, not okay. a, it's not a Davidoff lighter, but it's an SD Dupont line too. Okay, so, well that's fair. That's good. There was a little bit of a ping there. Um, well, it, it really, I said Davidoff. It really, I, and that's the confusion from the distribution for a while there. But it really is an SD Dupont that has the ping. So yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I used a, uh, I used a very special lighter for a very special guy and a very special cigar. I'm smoking the C276 from Nomad Cigars tonight. That's, um, wow. That goes way back. It's a, uh, it's a legendary cigar for a, uh, a legendary man. You know, earlier wow. this week, Fred, wow. someone, someone had said and commented on the promotional flyer that we post out for our shows. Every week. We, we posted yours, and I can't remember who said it, and I can't remember where. I think it might have been in the Smoking Tobacco Cigar Club. Um... Someone likened you to Michael Herklotz. Interesting. Oh, I, th mm -hmm. I think it's, I, I think, okay, I did see that thread. And just to put clarification, they did not liken me to Michael Herklotz. What it was, was, is I get a, I, it was about the hair. Hmm. And the only one that had the better hair game was Michael Herklotz, which, by the way, I cannot argue whatsoever. So to be second place to Michael Herklotz in that category is, is, is good by me. Um, I'm, Big fan of Michael. I know Michael. He's, he's a great guy. I'm happy to see him back in. There was no doubt he would come back in some form or another. Um, you know, he's Michael's like the full package. And we talk about cigar industry and people that like, you know, have the brains and, and, and the marketing and the, and the knowledge on the tobacco. Um, he's I've seen him do numerous presentations to like, you know, to, to people that are just regular cigar people. And uh, he, he is very good at breaking things down for people. So, yeah, to. To have second behind Michael Herklotz's hair game, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's definitely a good standard, I guess, to be held up against. I mean he's he's definitely a, a gold standard, like you said, uh, in the industry. Uh, Nicole, what are you smoking over there tonight? Um, I'm smoking a Brookhouse, Connecticut. Really? Yeah. That's a great cigar. It is. Um, Fred, to finish us off, what are you smoking over there? Um, I have started with the Avo uh, Synchro, the uh, Ritmo Robusto, which one of the things I love about this, I love these box-pressed um, tubes. 
I just think they're really cool that they bought, they took a box press cigar and put it in a box press tube. Um, I don't. Would you call it a box press tube or would you just call it a square tube? I mean, it's not really box press tube, but I just think it's really cool that they put these out. And um, anyway, great, great cigar. Yeah, the um, it is interesting. I don't know. It, you know what? We'll have to save that for spare notes this weekend. I'll have to get. I'll get. I'll get Mr. Cooper's a uh, opinion on that. Be like, Coop, what do we call that? Is it a square tube or is it a box press tube? Um, I just like the colors. I guess that's Maybe, the yeah, female yeah. in It's me. very, very vibrant. Yeah. It is. I mean, look, you, you can say, I mean, Davidoff has, I mean, they're on point in a lot of their marketing and a lot of their packaging is definitely on point. That new chef series that has the ashtray with the, with the board that goes over it, the lid, you know, the box is an ashtray and the lid would over it flips open to hold like, you know, um, you know, like a glass and something else. I mean, I can't believe no one's ever thought of that uh, and done it to that well. But whatever they do, you know, they do. They they do well. I mean, obviously not everything's a winner, but um, you're right. I love the, I love the colors on this too. Um, and and I'll and I'll give them credit. I mean, really, when when Camacho did their rebrand several years ago and had that pop of color, and then everybody kind of started, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people copied that afterwards. Um, you know, Davidoff's usually on point on on their packaging. Yeah, and yeah, cigars. and cigars for that matter. Yeah, all around they're pretty good. I mean, even their, I mean, even their accessories and stuff have been pretty good too. And their giveaway stuff that they've done with the, with the Davidoff stuff, some of the promotional stuff they've done, like they've sure. had, a, they've had a pretty nice set of whiskey glasses. They had, um, they they've done some stuff through like their Winston Churchill line that they have. They've done yeah, some cool Churchill stuff. Yeah, the Churchill line had some great stuff. They had the flask that had the two cigars yes. that fit in the side of the flask, and that thing weighs like sixteen hundred pounds. Um, yep. You know, yeah. So they, they, when when they do it, they they they're usually um, they class it up a bit. I think they had like a shot glass set with coasters and something else, or an ashtray and shot glasses for the fiftieth when that came out like two years mm -hmm. ago. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I have somewhere this hourglass. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, it, that's it, a classy. And it sits on like a wooden base, glass. but inside the <laughs> yeah. base, I think, are also coasters. I don't know, but it was a Davidoff thing. Uh, and I have it somewhere. I think it was for Winston Churchill as well. I, that, I think that was the part of the. I think that was one of the first things on the rebranding of the Churchill, if I remember right. Um, that was that was actually really pretty cool. And they've got some really cool glasses. I think I have a set of the glasses that have the cigar that like fits in the side or on top. Like they've got the grooves cut for yeah, it. Yeah, the grooves on which, the top. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never, I've never done. It's one of those things that looks really good. Like I'm not a big Instagram guy, but it looks really good for like an Instagram picture. Where you've got it like resting through the glass or on the side of the glass, or in this case, you know, with the cuts. But from a practical standpoint, I have never had a drink with my cigar embedded in or around the glass. Yeah, I mean, it's a good prop, but the reality—it's—it's yeah. it, it's like one—it's like many things. You like, wow, that's really awesome, and whether or not you buy it, you—you you know, you'll never yeah. use it. But it's yeah. cool. Um, it looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool, but you'll never use it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so guys, don't forget to also check out our friends at twoguyscigars.com. You can find the cigars we're smoking. Well, not the one I'm smoking. That one's no longer in production. But the other two cigars you can find at the number twoguyscigars.com. Um, where do we begin with Fred tonight, Nicole? Um, do we do we want to talk about his awesome literacy? Do we want to talk about the magical cigars that he has created from his former brand, how that came to be? Where, where should we go with this? I don't know. I mean, we can we can start with the former brand. We'll talk about Nomad, and then we'll... All right. Because there's a lot of talking that we can do. Just so you know, I read this entire book today. Oh, this I'm morning. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Now, now i got to print another one. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> I remember when I bought it, I texted him, and I was like, hey, I got your book. And you said <laughs> something to me. I can't remember if it was like, ah, oh, man, I didn't know if they have any in stock. I don't know if they still made it or something like that. It was so funny. Like, oh, oh, the only one they had in stock. Yeah. I don't know. Probably something like that. Sounds yeah. Like me. It was really funny. Um, but no, it's a great book. It's a great read. Um, so, but we want to talk about Nomad a little bit. So Nomad Cigars is a brand that's now owned by, I want to say Ezra Zion. Um, yep. Yep. And it's a little bit different than when you um, had the brand. So where, where exactly did the brand come from? Uh, when did it start? How, how, how did you, how did you how did you get that off the ground from the beginning? Um, I started it in 2012, 
um, I had smoked cigars for years, for a decade, and um, Avo Yavazian and I used to smoke, um, I don't know, four or five times a week. And he kept telling me for years, you know, you need to start a cigar brand, you need to start a cigar brand. And uh, we were we were largely sitting in front of Jeff's shop at Corona in Orlando, and uh, at least post 2002 then. And I'm looking at the room going, last thing we need is another cigar brand out here. Um, but he, you know, he's, he, he convinced me. So we went down to DR together and he introduced me to some people and, you know, worked on a cigar and it was really just, I was like the kid, the make a wish foundation, you know, I'm like just down there and I'm getting to like, you know, hang with cigar people and, and learn about some tobaccos and stuff. And so we largely, um, you know, he put me in touch with some people and we put together the cigar it was called the fugitive, which is a, a perfecto. Um, I came back I kind of like, it was just a hobby. It was just kind of a vanity, you know, piece cigar and put it out and, and, and it actually ended up doing pretty well. Um, so then I just, yeah, I did another one and then I decided to go, then I decided to kind of take it seriously. And I went over to Nicaragua and um, spent, I guess it was six months there the first time or whatever it was and just went around and, you know, learned. I, I just learned everything I could. And, and, and initially, I think everybody just over there, for the most part, you know, you went over and you're just another guy that, you know, can make a cigar, but they don't really pay attention to you much. They're just like hoping you go away or just, you know, give them money and you go away. And but there was there was a moment where when they kept seeing me over and over again, um, look, there, there are some guys that, that that are brand owners that, you know, they basically go down to the factory. The factory gives them three cigars. They smoke all three cigars. Go, yeah, I like this one. Great. We'll put your label on it. You're in the cigar business. And they saw that I was actually really trying to learn it. And, you know, I, I didn't, didn't bother me to get my feet, you know, muddy going into the fields and talk to those guys and learn about tobacco and learn about regions. So then when that happened, they, they were basically much more open in what I would have thought were more trade secrets. And they would just basically share information. And when I was starting to work on blends, like, oh, no, no, don't do this or you don't want to do that. And, you know, hey, you know here, go, go, go here. And um, then that was really when everything kind of started vamping up. And, and I started doing, you know, Every year we do kind of a different cigar or sometimes two. Uh, I, I used to not understand why certain makers would have just so many blends out there. You're just kind of like, wow, you don't need that many blends. But surprisingly, when you're blending. So for me, I would have an idea of a cigar. I would get all the tobaccos and we would you know, work during the day and try different mixes and mixes. And then we'd base them up with about five versions of it that we liked. And then I would lay down 100 of them. And I would keep 50 at the factory, and then I would take 50 home, and I would let them age. And then I would start smoking them. And then you would be smoking them and going, you know, okay, this turned out really good, or this one didn't turn out good. And of the five, you hoped you had one at the end that was a version that worked. Sometimes it was the version you didn't think that was like your last choice that you did. Uh, sometimes it didn't work at all. And everybody makes this big deal about... Um, you know, you know, they've got the best tobacco. And yes, there's definitely better tobacco than other places. But to me, I approached it. And I think why I got lucky at it is that it was like cooking for me. And the epiphany for me was basically when I realized that you take a bunch of flavors and you put them together. And how can I make these tobaccos play well with each other to showcase all of them? Like, I don't like a blend that just one tobacco like takes over everything else. And so um, it was really just that you know hit or miss like you put these all together and go okay well that sucks and then you put something together on and then go okay that worked and then you just ran with it yeah i mean <clears throat> you know you uh i like how you use the uh uh that you likened it to uh cooking which is a whole another mm -hmm. uh love of yours that i definitely definitely want to get into as i was telling you before the show i, I had plans to incorporate that a little more physically <laughs> <laughs> and I and I, I I just my my afternoon got turned upside down today, and I just I was like ah shit, um, and I was so pissed because when I thought of it, I'm like ah oh, it's gonna be fucking great, but damn it, uh, such is life. But yeah, no, I mean it's, um, it it, it is interesting, and, and that's you know and you know you mentioned like you know you felt like a kid that, like in the Make a Wish Foundation, you know, going down to the farms mm -hmm. and the factories and seeing stuff that you know that's something that you know we still haven't done yet. Um, you know, we, we've received many invitations and stuff and at some point we will go, but I think that's the thing that I look forward to the most. Um, because I, everyone I talk to who's had that experience, you know, to be able to go down to like Nicaragua or the farms or whatever, it's like, it's, it's much of a cigar smoker, fan, lover, 
whatever that you are, how many you, no matter how many cigars a week you smoke or how many a day. Or, I feel like everyone I talk to who's had that experience, it's always like it's it changed for them. Like it's just it, as much as you loved it, you 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 had a new love for it after that. It, it gives you a from what I imagine just a, such a new sense of appreciation for the craft. Um, I we did go to the J.C. Newman factory in Tampa earlier this year. Um, and that was really the first time that I really got to see someone sitting there rolling cigars. And for me, it was like, wow, there it is. They're rolling them. And it was just like, it was like a moment where I, I stopped and I froze and I was just like, that's it right there. They're rolling the cigars, doing the, doing the bunching. And it was just like, we talk about it, you hear about it. You see, like, a little bit of it online. But, like, you're sitting there in a rolling room and you're watching them do the bunching, do the rolling. It's just like, wow. You know, and, and it, it, it brings such a new sense of appreciation and love for it. And I feel like um, that's definitely something it sounds like you had. You know, you, you just you go down there and you're, you're soaking it all in. And that alone is enough to give you inspiration. Yeah, I mean, it, it becomes, you know, like, we, we all know whether you, even if you haven't been down there, you, you, You've you've heard that you know there's a hundred sets of hands that touch the tobacco and grow it and dry it and ferment it and you know you, right. you hear that but when you see it when you see the amount of people putting time into it and moving it and, and, and caring for it um, it it does become very real and 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 so and and I think the biggest thing not the biggest takeaway but I think a significant takeaway that people that I know that have come back for it people that are very price conscious of cigars that say, wow, you know, you know, when cigars were $8 and then it hit that $10 mark and now, you know, now closer to 12 on some of them and guys, and obviously more, but guys are like, Oh, you know, I, I just can't imagine uh, an $8 cigar being worth it. You know, I mean, just, you know, I, well, you know, it seems like a lot of money to pay when you see the process and you see how much work is involved and how many hands it has to go through and how much time, I mean, you're growing a crop now that's not going to be used for years, so they have to sit on that and earn nothing while they're waiting to when that can be used and it actually has its its value or increases in value. Uh, you know, transporting it, you know, it's got to go from there and it's got to be packaged and it's got to go on airplanes or on boats or however it comes over for them, and and then it's got to be you know transported to the store and then put on a store. I mean, you know, eight dollars, you know, not a lot of money for something like that that gives you, you know, ten dollars, twelve dollars, twenty dollars, whatever it is for everybody's budget. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a handcrafted product. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a very good point that you've made, and it, and no one's really made that distinction on the show, um, just by you know the price point. But when you when you actually get to see how the cookie gets made. You know, you kind of have a different sense of like, oh, okay, wow. You know, you go into a cigar store and you're like, oh, this cigar is 15 bucks. Like, oh, wow. And, but you don't realize like, hey, how much time was put in that cigar? How many how many people along the way were paid to handle that tobacco? So many. Like, That's why yeah. I don't bat an eye when I like spend money on and then by the t- And then you're going to take into account too, like it's not just the manufacturer and what it costs them. And, uh, that, that retailer purchased that and they have their own overhead too. Um, which goes into it, it worth mentioning. So it's like those after after the hundreds of hands that the manufacturer the, in the factory and the in the farms and all that to take it, you know, then it gets gets shipped out to a retailer and so there's yeah, packaging. There's costs, pa- there's, there's so much that goes into it. Costs, yeah, I mean it's you know look running a business and selling a product you know it, it's you know you spend money to make money it's it's basic business but you know I feel like you know like you hit the nail on the head. With the tobacco business, it's so different because it, it is so much more involved. You know, it's not like, you know, you get in a pair of sneakers that were made in a sweatshop in China, you know, right. throw in a box, set look, in a container. Look, I, I, look, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, some cigars are made that bad. Well, I guess that's true. We could argue that. <laughs> true. Just, I mean, look, as a consumer, I mean, I mean, uh, I was actually, I remember talking to um, Abe at Smoke Inn after I, after I had sold the company and, uh, I said I had to go out and, you know, buy some cigars that I wanted. And I'm like, wow, these these are expensive, you know, because I hadn't paid for cigars or didn't have to pay for cigars for a long time. I'd smoke a large amount. I'd still bought cigars. But uh, look, at some point we do have a value, even even if you appreciate various products, you do have a value. You just say, well, like, you know, I like this cigar. 
but I can buy, you know, one and a half at the same cost or whatever and get just as enjoyment. And, and that's fine. I, I, we, all, we all do that at some level of pricing. And, but largely, I would say, the cigars, and this isn't universally true, but largely, as you go up the scale in cost, paying for, you know, probably better tobacco in some cases, um, you're also paying for, you know, a quality control element. You know, we talked about Davidoff earlier, and, and some people kind of, right. you know, if Davidoff isn't your cigar because it's not your profile, that's one story, and that's fine. I, I mean, look, you know, not every cigar is for everybody. But when you say, hey, Davidoff, it's going to cost me $18, the thing about Davidoff is is you're also pr probably paying for a quality control that's second to none. You oh. have a Winston Churchill late hour this year, and you have one from three years from now, and they're going to be identical. They, you, you're, you know, their quality control, the layers they go through, and that has a cost. Um, so if you're somebody that doesn't smoke a lot, then you may go, you know what? I want to have a, a more of a special occasion cigar. Uh, if you're someone that's smoking every day and you don't have a, a budget, you know, a budget that, you know, fits that, then you find something else that works in your profile. That was the one thing for me that, that I, I was always appreciative with when I had Nomad was that, and I said it a million times, if a guy walks into a cigar shop and he can only get two cigars a week, cause that's either a, all the time he has to smoke or B, that's all he can afford. If he picked one of my cigars, I owed him the best cigar experience I could deliver to him. And if he reached out to me on social media, then I was going to respond. I was going, I was going to talk back to the guy because, you know, yeah, one cigar that week didn't move the needle for me, but he entrusted half of his budget or her entrusted half of her budget on my cigar. And that meant something to me. And I never wanted to lose that perspective with the cigar consumers. And I think I gained a lot of uh, following from that. And then plus also, I was always very open of what I did right and what I did wrong. And they were following my journey of here's how I did DR and here's how I was working with Nicaragua and here's what was funny and what well and what didn't. I had no problem sharing that because at the end of the day, we're just we're just rolling up a bunch of leaves and trying to come up with something good in flavor. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, hey, there's a million other cigars. We're the only business where I think Saka said it. We're like three inches away from our competition. You know, I mean, there's good cigars for everybody. Right. Absolutely. Um, we already have some questions from our, our viewers at home. Um, Steve Holmes writes, why did Fred get out of the cigar business? And are there any plans to ever get back in? Um, so, yeah, it's a good question. Thanks, Steve. Um, I was not what when I started, it actually grew a lot bigger than I had planned. Um, and I loved every minute of it. And I would not change a thing. What concerned me at the end and I wasn't looking to sell was that um, the FDA stuff had really vamped up and a lot of what was fun about the industry for me and I don't do anything unless I have fun with it unless I enjoy it life's too short if you don't like what you do I think you need to go find something else and the money will come I really was getting noticeably less happy when I had to talk to attorneys every week on what do we have to change for, for the, you know, California wants warning labels. Okay, great. How much is that going to cost? Okay. Now they don't want warning labels. No, wait, they want them again. And so, you know, and taxes going up and different. And then, and then like, you know, for a while there for events, I couldn't give out a cigar to somebody. I couldn't just hand out a cigar. The FDA wasn't allowing it. And yeah, there are a lot of gray areas and there are ways to get around it. But honestly, it was, it was just a moment when I was approached was when I was getting annoyed by a lot of it. And I was looking at two things. I was looking at the FDA bopping, which thankfully that has really, really backed off since then. And I still don't have any regrets, but I was looking at what the estimated costs were for me to file out the paperwork, pay what they wanted to pay. And the estimate was somewhere around 1.2 million for me to take the entire portfolio through to the other side. Um, I thought I'd strip down some of the portfolio. Maybe it'll be about 750. If I made it to the other side, then a lot of other people wouldn't because they wouldn't go through that process or wouldn't have the financial ability to go through that process. But my concern was if that door was open and if the FDA bomb really went the way they were talking about some of it and comparing it to cigarettes, my concern was not the first round. My concern was once that door was open, what would happen later? And I don't like things that I can't be in a reasonable amount of control and them just blanket saying, hey, these guys are grandfathered in when they go back just before the boutique boom and say, that's the date that you're magically grandfathered in. And everybody after this date, myself included, you're not grandfathered in. I mean, so you're telling me that a cigar on, 
you know, January 1st is totally, you know, uh, not good, but January 2nd cigar or, you know, January 1st, December 31st is great and, and acceptable. It made no sense to me. So I don't like the, I don't like the arbitrary things that were going with that. So it was really just timing. It just hit me when I was having a, a couple of weeks of dealing with attorneys and, and, and dealing with stuff that just wasn't fun. We were, we're trying to find all these loopholes to have events. And, and so it was just the timing of it. I, I, I don't regret it. Uh, I've, I started out as a consumer for you know over a decade, and I'm enjoying being a consumer and supporting different shops. During COVID, I made a point of every week buying cigars from different shops and highlighting them because they were they were they were hurting. And uh, I, I you know I, I don't regret it. It was it was a great run. Am I going back into the industry? Um, there is something I am doing. I haven't. Very few people know. I can tell you the date. I can tell you that it's tentatively uh, looking at March 15th. So mark your calendar for March 15th, although I'll probably announce what it is before that. I will tell you it's not a cigar, uh, at least at this moment. So that's all I can say on that. But I'm really excited about this project. I love the industry. I love the people, which is why I haven't disappeared for a couple of years uh, since I sold it. And I was really struggling to find out what, what, how can I play in this industry? And play to my strengths, and also play to what uh, what I love about this industry. So I've I've found something. So we're stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, we'll be really excited to to hear more on that, Fred. You know, you uh, you, you definitely are are a great part of the industry, and and I think I speak oh, for everyone you. when I say we, we 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 all love having you in the circle. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I love, look, I've met I've met some amazing people. I mean, it was an incredible journey. I mean, nobody does a cigar company because they want to make money. Uh, so I, I can back that up. But basically, it's just it's an incredible I've, I've met some great people, you know, that are really good friends to this day. And like I said, I would I wouldn't change a thing. So I'm glad to have found something that will have me continue to be around in a way that makes sense. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I mean, I, there's so many great people that we've met, we've come across, we've, you know, got to work with, um, you know, you know, not just me, but to work with, which is, you know, just so rewarding in itself. Um and you know what? It's a small industry. It's a tight-knit industry. And I think that's what also makes it so special. Um, everyone is, you know, and I remember we were, we, were with, um, we were with Cynthia Fuente. And she said to us, um, you know, it, it, it's really special because it's like we all make cigars, you know, speaking on the behalf of manufacturers. It's like we all make cigars and, like, we all compete with each other. She was like, but at the same time like if anything we're, we're more like we stick together more um you know and and we're more on the same team you know because our industry is so small and so tight-knit and has such big enemies to it um that is as much as we compete for sales we're, all, we're also just like so close with each other because uh, we have to be um so yeah i mean i, I think that definitely it speaks volumes to, to the industry as a whole um but <laughs> I keep looking at the book, and Wait, I. Gotta, I know. Well, not yet. I know. We I'm so. Do I'm just, news. We should do the news. We we'll should do, do the news. news. First. We sh- I, I keep. It's like right here, and I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> Getting excited. Um, our news once again brought to you by our friends at McAuliffe Cigars. McAuliffe Cigars, become an ambassador today. If you head over to McAuliffeCigars.com, you can sign up to become an official ambassador. You can get your ambassador coin, your official ambassador number, and while you're at it, pick up a McAuliffe tasting passport. Um, this week. Some interesting news uh, came to us. 30 members of Congress formed the Congressional Cigar Caucus. Fred, did you hear about this story? I did. I did. Uh, There's a new Congressional Caucus dedicated just to cigars. Earlier this month, the Congressional Cigar Caucus was approved as a congressional member organization better known as a caucus. The effort is being led by Representative Dan Muser, Republican from Pennsylvania, who is serving as the chairperson and Representative Tom, uh, sorry, I got something on my screen. Uh, Tom Emmer uh, from Minnesota, who will serve as the vice chairperson. The group describes itself as the Congressional Cigar Caucus will serve as an informal group of members dedicated to preserving the artist craft of the cigar industry while educating members on how the cigar industry impacts American families, workforce, agriculture, and the economy. Um, hmm. It's nice to see something like that. It's it's great because you you have an organized body within 
you know, we've always had data and, 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 and numbers to substantiate reasons to not grow the cigar industry out. Not only, you know, what it affects other countries, because it's certainly dramatic when you look at areas of Dominican Republic and Nicaragua and Honduras, but, you know, how many cigar shops are here? Uh, how much revenue is generated in tax, just an S-chip, just to get it into the country and then going down the line with people that are employed and pay taxes and have jobs and things like that. And I think that's that gets lost when people just say, you know, oh, it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's it's smoking. And I think it also helps us by the way that they've done this is it helps us differ, keep differentiating cigars from cigarettes, which I think has always been a challenge. And one of the things that that I've been pretty vocal about is is that you know we keep getting in these battles that are not winnable. You're not going to convince a non-smoker that a cigar is different than a cigarette. So don't waste your time. Talk about a freedom issue. Talk about that you have the. This is not an illegal product. Talk about I should have the ability to smoke a cigar, and you should have the ability not to smoke a cigar. I'm I'm not necessarily um, on the same page as other people in our industry is that I don't have a problem that you can't smoke a cigar in a public park, in a public, you know, in a, in a public park. And the reason I say that is, is if I'm smoking a cigar in a public park and, and a lot of people I know, we're going to go off over by a tree by ourselves and smoke a cigar and stuff like that. And that's the way we should. But you, you've got that guy. That or, or woman that has to be right there on the bench at the playground in everybody's face because they think it's their right and they, who cares? It's just smoke. It's getting in your face. Uh, I've been guilty of it, and, I, and, and this caused a big firestorm one point years ago. I don't believe in taking pictures in front of no smoking signs. We just come off looking like an ass to non-smokers. Why? Why? Why would you do that? Why? Why? Why throw that in their face just because you think you have the right to do whatever? If Starbucks says, "Hey, you." smoke on our patio then don't go to starbucks that's their right where i do draw the line though is when someone has a cigar shop or something like that if you don't smoke what gives you the right to say what i'm allowed to do here in our shop in our lounge in areas outside where we're allowed to smoke or whatever it may be i mean there's golf courses you can't smoke on that's absolutely ridiculous the other people golfing with me are cool that the guy that's six holes away shouldn't care about you know about it so I think there's a line there. I think we have to be respectful of non-smokers' boundaries as much as we want them to be respectful of ours. And it's not a popular opinion. Uh, I know some people side with me that, but some people in the industry kind of beat me up over it. But I'm, I, I just think that's reasonable. I don't think it's our way or the highway. I think we can exist. We can do what we want to do. They can do what they want to do. And I think that this is, this. back to your point of these people, this is a chance to educate people that one this is not like a cigarette this does not have the additives and everything that a cigarette does this does not have stuff put in it to keep you addictive the iterations that cigarettes went through to make them more addictive make them more absorbed in in, in through the lungs make them uh hang out in the brain and, and and through the bloodstream differently to keep you wanting more that's all if that's legal and that's okay just because they have lobby dollars, then leave us alone. And I think this, this group can help educate from the inside with a clear line to the other people that they have way more access to. We have to book a special meeting. We got, you know, and they're only gonna shine us on for an hour because they think there's votes there and there are, but now we have somebody inside that can help spread the word and build that. I think it's great. Well, then there was the, um, you know, there was the law that went into effect I want to say 2007 with big tobacco and the cigar companies where uh, cigarette companies where any new product that came to the market, they had to disclose. Um, they had to disclose. I'm, this is all going off of memory. I don't have the, the data right in front of me, but if I remember it correctly, um, all, all parts and the ingredients and all that had to be disclosed, you know, upon its release. And the idea when it was told to me was the idea was, well, the big tobacco companies lobbied for that so they could limit their competition from coming out onto the market. So that way people like Philip Morris uh, in the United States, what do a lot of people smoke? Marlboro Red. Sure. It's the sure. American way. Um, yeah. And Philip Morris is, is, you know, right, rightfully behind that, you know, and their parent company, Altria, who uh, unfortunately shuttered the great Nat Sherman brand. 
Um, hence, hence why Michael Herklotz had to rise from the ashes like a phoenix and be so majestic yep. in his return. Um, but anyway, that's getting off topic. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's stuff like that. You know, that as much as, you know, the, the big tobacco, like you said, the lobbying dollars that they have and what they spend to, 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 to play these games and, you know, it, it, it's a – our industry is a – is a small industry, you know, and there's and there's money in it, but it's nothing compared to like big tobacco. That's a multi-billion, maybe trillion-dollar business, um, all over the world. So yeah, I mean, well, it's it, it, our industry isn't as pure as all that too, because you know when the FDA bomb was dropping, there were people positioning themselves that were in a better position to wipe out boutiques and boutiques as an individual company. None of them were were really you know at hurting anybody, but as as a whole. They were putting an impact on some big brands that said, hey, OK, we're going to, you know, they were very much taking a page out of Philip Mars going, hey, look, if we can pass this and look at the lo and behold, the grandfather date, none of these guys are grandfathered. We're automatically and we're going to get more shelf space. Now, I'm also a business person, so I also know realistically that if I, my job was working for those companies and I could make a play that was going to get us more shelf space and get rid of competition, I understand it. It's just not good for the consumer because all the advances really in the last several years came from boutiques because they were pushing the envelope of what could be done, even in a product that's been around for, for you know, 100 years or more. So right. I, I, I think it's not good for the industry as a whole. Uh, and so I'm glad to see that, that that changed a little bit. But I would have liked to have seen our industry band together a little sooner in this process. I think that, that some some did and came later but and realized some of the some of them realized the error of their ways of trying to create a separate scenario separate track but you know we're all entrepreneurs and as you said we are competing with each other at the end of the day yeah i mean it's uh it's a double-edged sword you know and uh you know it's competition but it's also the strength in numbers um that the industry does need you know we have those great organizations like the pca the cra the c the c uh the caa um you know and We've had this conversation before where, you know, uh, I think we had it on spare notes where it was like we have like multiple organizations, but it's almost like they should all just work together as one. You know, why do why do we have three different cigar organizations? Why can't we just have one big one? Everyone works together because everyone's kind of got something different that they're trying to shoot for or they're working on or whatever. It's like it's we should all just be one and uh, and, and focus on the, and the, the betterment of our industry. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's kind of like the same stuff we always talk about the political side of the industry, which is you know, it's always worth mentioning. I know it, it you know it gets a little redundant you know every week or whatever you time we listen to a, a, a cigar show or whatever, but it's it, it's it's important and we have to bring it up. And if you don't keep bringing it up, people will forget about it. Um, so I, I I wanted to touch on that. I thought that was a, a great uh, a great group that came together. Absolutely, uh, and it's a good step in the. It's another good step in the right direction. So. Um, glad, glad to see stuff like that happening. Um, Nicole, why don't you, as we segue into the next part of our show, mm-hmm. why don't you highlight Fred's amazing book for us? What do you mean? Well, I just, you know, <laughs> want to make sure that, you know, you're definitely included in the show. You've been a little quiet, so. Well, I don't want to give it away for viewers. Don't either. give it away. I don't want to, like, read just, it off. Just tease it like Fred does. Um... I don't know how to describe it aside from it's like it's just his thoughts on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> that's that's it. That's literally that's it. That's what it is. it is. But it's funny, that's, and I I almost spit my tea out a couple times that I was drinking really? as I was reading it. Really? Um. Yeah. Okay. Because you have to you have to buy the book to get the full effect. I don't want to ruin. Well, it. Actually, you do. You, you know do. What's, you know what's funny is that now what's trending bigger is the audio book because I read the book. Oh. So you, like you did the audio book recording? I did. I, I, yeah. did, oh. I, I, did. I, I went in and I read the whole book. Um, and the reason I was adamant about doing it. So the whole book, by the way, was was a little bit of from what Facebook was. But I did stand up comedy a long time ago and I did it for years. And, really? And I, I, I did. I did, I did not did. know that about you. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I, did. I don't know so, how I missed that, but I, I didn't so, know that. Uh, yeah. So a lot of the a lot of my friends you know, went on to become very big comedians. And for me, it was just a hobby. I would go and I did it and I I really, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I wasn't willing to go on the road and live out of hotels and do comedy clubs. So uh, obviously later I started a cigar company where I was able to go on the road and live out of hotel rooms. But (laughs) uh, I, I, I 
miss it. And so that's usually why Facebook, I don't, I don't try to get in anything political and stuff like that. There's enough of that. Usually Facebook for me is, is 50% stuff that I find that I think is funny. And I, I kind of put a different twist on it or something I come up with. So the book was really a little bit left over from my stand-up comedy days of stuff that I would talk about. And then, and then obviously a lot of new stuff since then. And I just started writing it. And so I've written uh, two other books, one on finance, one on um, uh, marketing. And that book was really just written for me. I was just having fun writing. And, and so the first half of it went really quick because I would write notes of things I wanted to ramble on. And some of the chapters are a couple pages, some of them are one page. And then I got halfway through the book and I kind of shelved it for about six months because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to come up with the pages, even if I put it in giant print. So I just and then and then I revisit it and then and then I finally I finally get. But it's it's absolutely pointless. It's I, I hate the term that people say it's great for the it's bathroom reading because um, that's just, just I just don't want to picture a bunch of people in bathrooms reading my book. But that's really what it is. You can just pick it up and read a chapter whether it's about ikea meatballs or whatever you know whatever it is the mcrib sandwich whatever it's just it's just pointless you know things for me to talk about but the people that know me from you know cigar events and stuff like that they kind of hear my voice in it so anyway the audiobook the reason i did the audiobook uh versus you can just hire somebody to read it is that uh steve martin did a book and then he did his audiobook and i had read his book and then i had later listened to the audiobook and I felt I got so much more out of the audiobook, even though he was reading the words almost word for word out of the book. There was these subtle inflections that either excited him or depressed him or whatever, and you got more of the emotion out of it. Yeah. As as you were listening to him, so I'm like, well, and, and when the when the publisher, um, uh, the, the the guy that was talking to me about it came back because we ended up self publishing through Amazon, but that was. You still had you still have the team kind of doing things, and he's he said, uh, you know, we got a guy to do the audio book, and I'm like, you know what? If I do an audio book, I'll just do it. And so then I just finally just went went into the studio for the weekend and just re re recorded the whole thing in one shot. So um, that's probably a good way to do it, especially if you're bored and you're sitting in your car. You know, that's kind of a good way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I love how you highlighted bacon right off the bat, right in the top. Bacon is a huge is a huge thing for you too. Um, which well, the number the number one complaint about that book is it's actually not a bacon recipe book. Oh yeah. So because uh, <laughs> there's only a there's only a throwaway chapter on bacon uh, for the most part. But yeah, I do like bacon. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, how can you not like bacon? I mean, really. I know, especially if you're American. You know, it's it's America one of I mean, you got you got what does that even say? But it, it's a pig. You have a shirt with a pig on it. Body by bacon? Oh, body, body by, by bacon. bacon. Oh, okay. Body by bacon. Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that accurately describes Fred. And so, in your opinion, bacon is way better than sausage, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't dislike sausage. Like, I like I like all, all God's meat creatures. But um, basically, I do, I, I do like bacon. Now, I will say that it's probably, for me, because I'm kind of a bacon snob, it's easier for me to probably come across goods good bacon than it is or good sausage than it is good bacon because I'm, I'm getting pretty picky like i was in uh first is it first watch and they had their million dollar bacon and it's like four slices of bacon with you know thick cut bacon and bottom line is if, you, if i can see through it it's not thick cut bacon anymore you've already you've already you've already you've already screwed up but um yeah i, I you know bacon's tasty i don't eat as much bacon as probably my profile uh, or my reputation precedes me, but I do, I do, I do, I do have a good amount of bacon, which much to my wife's uh, surprise, my, my cholesterol is like stupid low. Like, I don't, I don't, what, what, what's, what's, um, coming from the guy who's wearing a body by bacon t-shirt. Yeah. No, like, so like 200 is like the warning sign for cholesterol, right? Is that like the number you do like above 200? If, if that's, what I, I think, I like think it is. I'm like 125. I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm like barely above vegan level in cholesterol, which don't get me wrong, it's not my food habits. It's just dumb luck genetics. It's not it's not because I eat well. I'll have a McRib sandwich. I have prime rib. I have, I mean it's just it is what it is. Uh, William Cooper is watching with us tonight as well. I want to give a shout out to Will Cooper, uh, who also right. is a is a fan of the McRib, um, and uh, his favorite. <laughs> I know you I know you know about this as most people do. Um, but his favorite manager in in baseball, his favorite baseball manager, 
Um, I, I believe it was uh, he got National League Manager of the Year. So I just want to I want to give a, a shout out to Coop. Oh. Congratulations, Gabe Kapler, NL Manager, National League Manager of the Year. Um, I know he's really proud about that. That's a that's a huge accomplishment for that for that fan base. So uh, job well done. Congrats, Coop. Um, I'm sure Terrence Riley would agree with me. So I just want to throw that out there really quick. I, I, I got to think. So Coop says his <laughs> airport thing, which I used to take airport pictures of my luggage every time. Nothing other than my luggage. Coop's launching this whole airport thing that everybody's all over, Terrence included. I got to think the fact that I got a McRib sandwich in an airport, uh, which, by the way, is extremely rare because the airport McDonald's do not carry McRibs. And I caught one the other day and entered it into Will's contest. So I got to think that I'm like I'm in the running. I got to or at least get the, the little airplane point. I got to be in the running. Yeah, you have to be. I, I unfortunately I had some good ones this year, but I am ineligible uh, because of the spare note series. So um, th- those are out. So, yeah, you're definitely in there. I think the, the boys that drew a state definitely definitely have a lot of brownie points right now because of those coins. Um, yeah, so they're, yeah. they're, they're definitely in there. And then, you know, Terrence is always a crowd favorite. Um, I love Terrence. Terrence is, Terrence is a great guy, a great guy for the industry. I've known him a long time. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a hustler, and he knows what he's doing, and he's, he's consumer-driven um, but understands the whole thing. Great to see where he is right now and the stuff that he's doing out of there. Big, big fan of his. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I feel the same way. You know, Terrence is just doing such a great job down there. Um, and, you know, we, we had the, the uh, opportunity to, to go by and see him while we were in Miami and just kind of hang out and, 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 and talk cigars and tobacco and stuff. And it was a great time and uh, just a lot of fun. And I would agree. He's a wealth of knowledge and he knows what he's doing and he's doing a great job. Um, now, I do want to remind everyone, and Fred, I want to remind you too, just in case you forgot. So we are competing tonight in terms of um, entertainment viewership. Uh, with not only the Scar Authority, but um, one of, one of the pieces of the three-legged stool of the Hacking Gourmet team, uh, Mr. Jonathan Carney, who's also still officially part of this team as well. Uh, but tonight he is doing an event with uh, the Scar Authority at Two Guys Smoke Shop up in Salem, New Hampshire, uh, where he is doing some cooking uh, for the Scar Authority cookbook. I believe he's making some of those recipes uh, for the people in attendance. Um it's a shame he couldn't be here tonight um, because, I mean, wow, what a – the only thing that would have been missing at that point was Brian McGee. You know, I should have done I, that. I, I should have called I Brian, and I should have said, Brian, you got to come on with Fred while John's not here so I can have the I two best parts of Hacking Gourmet here. I don't know John Carney. Um, the name sounds familiar. I'm trying to think if we've ever crossed paths. <laughs> oh, um, I thought you knew him. Yeah, he's the uh, – He's that dude who's always walking around with the American flag Crocs on, like everywhere oh, he goes. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, John. John's <laughs> a great guy. He's uh, we. The Hacking Gourmet was a fun show. I don't. I think we'll probably do a one-off episode here and there going forward. It was really just. Um, actually, it was him and Brian, and then I was a guest on the show, and then somehow I got roped into emceeing the show, which was basically like herding turtles i'm not sure what exactly what my job was there other than try and just talk while they were busy cook but uh, it was fun it was during covid and everybody was locked up and we, we you know i think the show was just for us uh, some people really enjoyed it it was fun but uh, uh john's a good, good guy and 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 actually as much as i cook uh and all three of us on the show cook a lot uh carney definitely uh cooks probably more than brian and i uh, a combined probably maybe even uh he, he's really he's dialed in a lot of that yeah i mean i i'll give him that too i mean he he really knows his way around the kitchen um you know being a good friend of his I, i've had the uh, luxury of being able to cook with him numerous times and, and eat with mm-hmm. him and and um and stuff like that and that's something he knows really well too i i've learned a lot of good you know skills and tips and tricks uh, cooking with john and you know, st- things he's taught me and that have just elevated my cooking, um, you know, whether it's just finding new flavors or techniques with cooking and stuff. He he really does have it down. I mean, I, you know, th- there's there's things that I like there's meats that I never cooked before. Um, like I never really cooked lamb. I learned, you know, I learned how the several different ways to cook lamb from John and, um, you know, bison and elk and all these other different meats that I wasn't necessarily opposed to. I just wasn't really part of my repertoire but the only thing though is i probably won't go back to a vegan restaurant with him yes that was very interesting <laughs> oh go- really really yeah now, 
What was this? So, while we were in Miami earlier this year, um, I had, so we had actually gotten to town before. He, he was away doing an event, and so he came in the next day. So I actually picked him up at Miami Airport um, to bring him back to his house. And while we were on our way back, he says to me in the car, he goes, oh, by the way, he goes, I have some awesome dinner plans for us while we're in Miami. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. He's like, tonight we're going to go to the Wagyu bar, meat and bone. I was like, oh, nice, nice. Um, oh, I got to tell you about this pizza place, Mr. 01 Pizza. You're going to love it, dude. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's insane. Um, it's, it's out of control. And uh, also, he goes, uh, Alito and Inez found this place that they really like. It's called Planta. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, it's a vegan restaurant. And I went, hmm. And I was <laughs> like waiting for the laugh like like it was a joke. And he's like, yeah, so I, I have reservations for us for that for tomorrow. That's going to be awesome. And I was like, oh, you're serious? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, we're, we're going. I'm like, we're going to a vegan restaurant. Yeah. Trust me. When I tell you, though, you won't be able to tell the difference. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. All right. I could tell the difference. I still thought I'm still <laughs> hanging in there. Like I'm still <laughs> hanging in there. Like, is this a, is this like some long game that he's playing where he's like, nah, dude, we're not going there. I mean, it was we went vegan food, but like, and he was yeah, like, dude, they got this ahi tuna. That's insane. They make it out of watermelon. And I go, well, John, that's not ahi tuna. That's watermelon. He's like, yeah, but it's like right. an ahi tuna. that's vegan. No. But it's water. <laughs> go, it's, wa- it's, it's ahi watermelon. Yeah, but it's like the way they do it. It's I'm like it's watermelon. He's like, well, it's like both. Like, We're ah, eating fruit. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, it's 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 watermelon. So we <laughs> ate a full vegan dinner, and then a couple hours later, we got pizza <laughs> because we were. All yeah, so we went. We, we got back to our hotel room. He went home, and uh, I think yeah, we got pizza or something. And I was like, I gotta eat some meat. Like, and I, gotta, <laughs> I gotta have some like some like. It wasn't bad. I will say it wasn't bad. It's not filling, right? It wasn't yeah. filling. It was very very different for us. Um, yeah. I would say there was this crispy bang, bang, like broccoli, bang, bang, broccoli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really good. Like I really enjoyed that. I would eat that again. Um, I've had that. That's good. That was good. There was, there was a noodle dish that he, that, that was pretty, it was made out of like cashew nut butter. Yeah. It, stuff. it was good. It wasn't yeah. like it was, eh, it was good. Um, I think it's just that mentality of like, oh, it's, it's just all like non-animal related. You're like, how, how well, is this, how is this going to work? Like, yeah. I don't like it when things, and I actually, there's a chapter in the book that talks about tofu. Like I, I don't think, you know, vegans fine. And if you don't want to eat meat, that's fine, but don't pretend you're meat like tofu. Just, just be comfortable with who you are. Stay in your lane. You're not tofu bacon. <laughs> Turkey bacon is not bacon. To- tofu burgers are not burgers. Uh, I, to this day, I have not had a beyond meat burger. Um, and what got it for me was when when Burger King was promoting that, they were saying how the Beyond Meat burger tasted like the Whopper. And I was I was talking to Coop, I think, at the time. And I said, you know, the question isn't why does the Beyond Meat burger taste like the Whopper? Why does the Whopper taste like a Beyond Meat burger? That should be the question everybody's concerned about. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't like that. Your point on watermelon is exactly spot on. It's just like, <laughs> don't pretend you're ahi tuna. Okay, just be good. Watermelon, be comfortable with who you are. Don't pretend to be something else. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I always get duped into this because there's a lot of restaurants that like to use uh, one particular term when describing like a, a vegan meat I do the air quotes for those who can't see. Um, and it's always like you're looking at a menu and you're like, oh, that's good. It's always the burgers too. Like, oh, the Vermont bacon burger looks good. Oh, black and blue. Impossible. Oh, impossible. What's it? Oh, veggie burger with blah, blah, blah. And it's always like, oh, you get sucked right in. You see the word like impossible burger. You're like, oh, man, this thing's probably colossal. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a vegetarian burger. Oh, okay, it's impossible. No, no, I will say I just saw this, and I don't know how long it's. I, it's, I just saw it uh, last week, and I don't know how long it's been around. I was in Burgerfy, uh, and I was not getting the Beyond Meat burger, but they have a burger, and I think this is brilliant. They call it the Conflicted Burger. Okay. And it's one it's one Beyond Meat patty and one regular Angus patty in the same burger, and they call it Conflicted. And I, lo- I just love the idea. It's pro- I don't know that it's a good burger, but I love I love the playing with it. Yeah, it's a very interesting con. I actually <laughs> respect that a lot. That's cool. That's really playing. That's that's really dancing on the line with that one. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Oh shit. What was the other thing I was gonna say too? 
Uh, oh yeah. Um, the the ahi watermelon. Uh, it was good. To build on what you were saying, it was good. It was a good, fancy watermelon dish. Not once did I go, "Wow, that was good imitation tuna." I was just like, <laughs> "Wow, that's a good watermelon." And yeah. Uh, yeah. or that so, doesn't taste like watermelon. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh wow, that tastes like watermelon. That's awesome." Um, I don't know. No, it was cool. So yeah, going to going to a vegan restaurant with a guy who's you know, no pun intended, really known for his meat. Um, he does do a lot of meat stuff, you know, a lot of steaks, um, other types of red meat, like I mentioned before, like elks and bisons and, 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 mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, he's known for his, he's known for a lot of meat cooking, um, cooking in general, but specifically I think meat is one of his, his major strong suits. But to, so to go to a vegan restaurant with John was um, it was definitely an experience. And I wouldn't change it, and and I would, and I I, I love that memory that we have because it it was a great time and it was a great dinner and you know it was just nice to be with each other, so um, it was awesome. But let me get your opinion on one. Actually, we have to get our top three. Mm. Um, we should probably do that while while we're setting that up. Um, this is, this is actually a good segue because it's kind of related. Are you familiar with soup plantation? <laughs> soup plantation? No. Yes. Huh. So he doesn't even know. So next time you run into Matt Booth from uh oh, oh never mind I saw yeah. the, uh, no, I saw it said movie audio oh muted. weird I don't and know. then it went away so I'm like oh wait are we muted but it, it, now it's gone so okay. I think we're good um so next time you run into Matt Booth just just let him know that uh you had a great time at Soup Plantation because um, he hates it uh and the few times he's been on our show he's brought it up and uh, oh, actually I I bring it up now but. Uh, he, is it a restaurant? What is it? It's a re it's like a soup buffet restaurant. It's all Think soup. Golden Corral but soup. Yes. Oh, okay. And <laughs> uh, very strong. And it and it really bothers Matt Booth a lot. Um, a because he feels that the only time you should have soup is at your house. Um, I.e. a good tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, two, he doesn't believe in having a public place with vats of liquid that people can sneeze over and breathe over that you just scoop out into a bucket and eat it in a public place uh it's just one of those things that if you didn't know now you know uh it really bothers matt booth uh, no that's good because I, I i talked to matt a lot and that never came up so um i will use that at some point the first thing i'm going to do tomorrow is try to find a soup plantation gift card <laughs> and then I will I will go on from there. So I appreciate the intel. Yeah, I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed with that information. Uh, the second time I brought it up was actually at, at PCA uh, during our interview. Uh, I don't remember what I said. I just remember him going, fuck soup plantation. And then he just <laughs> kind of broke his character. He's like, no, listen, like I, I can't even do this. Like I don't even want to talk about it. Um, it, it'll really get him going, so uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, our top three is brought to you by Room 101 Cigars. Uh, Room 101 is more than just a cigar brand. It's a lifestyle. Room 101 brand, cigars, and gin. There's something for everyone. Be part of the madness. Um, top three segment. Um, since we talked about bacon earlier and cooking and all that kind of fun stuff, I wanted to get a little bit away from the cigars, have a little something fun. Um, you mentioned, obviously, you do a lot of cooking. What would be... Your favorite things, or maybe recipes that you use bacon. Like, what are the what are the your top three favorite recipes to use bacon with? Creatively, oh, wow. not just not just like basic, like something like where you like creatively. Oh, I don't. You know, I don't. I can't say that I creatively use bacon. That's, really, um, I'm surprised yeah, by that. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean the the I mean the only thing that I mean that goes uh, off book a little bit versus uh, um you know pancetta or or other meat um i'll use it in a carbonara if i get the right bacon for that but um i you know i'm just a straight up you know bacon and you know if i'm not lazy i'll do it in the oven otherwise it's frying pan uh it's more what bacons i get um i'm definitely a proponent of thick cut uh, occasionally i like some that you know maybe a, a maple type bacon or something like that but not all the time but I, you know, it, it, it's a great question, but I'm not one of those guys that like, you know, I mean, if you put it in a salad, you know, it's, it's to find the bits of bacon. I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't have a, a bacon, you know, I don't, I don't use it like that. You just um, eat it straight. Maybe. I, maybe I, yeah. I, I, I mean, why, why hide it with anything else? It's good by itself. Yeah, um, that's a good argument. I don't know. 
Now I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to go look up recipes to use with bacon because I'm just curious what people do with bacon. We've given Fred a lot to think about tonight. Mm. Yeah, he's. I know. He's going to reevaluate his whole life now. Yeah, I am. I am. I know. Now I got a whole lot of things. By the way, Matt Booth's gin is excellent, and I don't like gin. Same. Um, Same. 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 He. 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 I hate gin. And he found a way to minimize the juniper aspect of it, which is a flavor that I don't like, to the point that it still qualifies for gin and comes out smooth. And um, it's great. And I, like I said, I'm not a gin drinker, and it's good. I had it at the trade show this year. He had some bottles in his booth. As I'm, I'm, you and were he there. was passing out nips. And he was passing <laughs> out the nips. And um, I just remember... They had a bottle, and they're like, well, we're not supposed to be, like, serving anything. And I was like, oh, and, but they're like, well, we'll let you try some. But it's going to be, it's gonna be like, real inconspicuous. And I was like, okay. And so, like, a cup. And I think it was, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it was 10 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> a cu- like a cup was, like, filled under the table <laughs> while, like, doing that whole, like, is anyone around? And then, like, the cup was just held for a minute, and then it was placed down on the table behind a, a box of cigars and then there was a lot of looking around and then I was like oh I think that's my lighter right there and I just kind of grabbed the cup <laughs> and I'm like alright whatever <laughs> it's gin but I'll try it because it's you know it's room 101 and I gotta at least try it and then I just remember sipping at me like oh fuck me and I just I was like I didn't even know what to do with it. I had this cup and I'm like not even supposed to have and, I'll, I, and I, I think I and I was just like I was like blown away and I just went what what's wrong and I was like Wow, that's really good, and I hate gin. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, can I have some more? I'm like, that is just good. Um, so I was able to actually leave Las Vegas with a couple bottles of the gin. So I, I have some on hand, and it, and it is nice. It's enjoyable. It's very yeah. it's it's very refreshing too. It's very light. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Um, as we wind down the show, Fred, I once again want to thank you for being here tonight. I really appreciate you uh, yeah. taking, taking the yeah. time coming to hang out with us and smoke. Um, Absolutely. I had a question for you. A little yeah. bit of an interesting question. If you don't want to answer it, that's okay. But uh, out of our own curiosity, as in well, I, I didn't, I didn't answer the bacon question very well. So hopefully, I can <laughs> kind of bring this one around. That's true. That's very true. Um, so you did sell Nomad cigars, as I mentioned before, to, to uh, Ezra Zion, um, mm-hmm. and now that that brand has now taken uh, a new life to to Nomad. Uh, how how do you feel that they've done with the Nomad brand and the name and 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 you know, worked with it since they've taken over it? Um, it's, it's a great question. And and I think, you know, my dad called me probably two months after they had taken it over and rebranded a bunch of stuff. And he's, you know, like, did you see what they did? They changed this and changed that. Um, you know, I did a very good job of removing myself from it. Uh, I was confident in, in, in Chris and Kyle who, who, who bought it. I like them. They're, they're good guys. There are smokers. Uh, is it a direction I would have went? Probably not, but it's not mine anymore. So I, I'm okay with it. I, I've smoked the cigars, or not all of them, but several of them. Uh, they're good cigars. So I, I don't. I don't. Um, it, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a healthy place to sit there and watch anything you let go and obsess over it so i just never entertained going down that road Mm -hmm. but largely yeah i'm always curious to watch and see and see what they're doing i still get emails because people think it's mine and it's not and and um i I, but i've been i've been you know i don't i don't have anything there's i mean it's a different direction and that's okay i mean they, they made it their own and I think that's what they should do. I don't think they should have just kept it with it was me because it was revolved around me. They were my blends. So I know that it went to a good home. I knew they were going to do something different with it. I had no idea what it would be. And I, I wish them all the best with it. I think that's a, that's a, uh, it's a really nice answer. I, uh, you know, it's, it, it seems to me like I, I like how you, you, know, you said, like, it doesn't make sense to spend time, you know, obsessing over something that, that's not yours anymore. Um, and that's a good point. I mean, I think that it's you can't really like get beat up over it, you know. That when someone else takes something and goes in a different direction, maybe maybe if you don't agree or something like that, because it, it, it's not yours anymore, and and everyone has their own interpretation or vision or whatever that they want to do. Um, so it, it definitely makes you know, um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, no, it, it's just I guess that's just nice to hear, you know, for for maybe you know, fans of the old Nomad, the new Nomad, whatever. 
I know that uh, it, it has Fred Rui's blessing, so to speak. Um, <laughs> not that it needs it, but you know, I guess it's just it's no, just it, nice it, to hear. It, it <laughs> it. Yeah, they, they don't need it. I mean, it, it was it li- it lives on. And it lives on in, in its own iteration that someone's going to take it to a different place or a different level. And I, and I think that's great. Absolutely. Um, well, as I said, we are getting towards the end of our show. Um, so once again, Fred, thank you for being here tonight. We really appreciate it. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us. Just thanks, thanks for all the laughs on social media. You know, you, you have some of the best content on, on the news feed. Uh, some of the best memes, some of the best photos, some of the best captions to stuff that you share i mean i i always read it i'm just like oh god here we go um i get very excited um but no yeah thank you for being here guys thank you for watching thank you for listening don't forget to like and subscribe um this saturday a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a double header um we have at 3 p.m eastern we will have the great jeremiah mirafell on with us and we're going to get into uh his whole history, his family history, Cameroon, tobacco. His new cigar um, line. And as well as his new cigar line that will be, I know they've been really tight on, but I'm going to hope I can I can pull some, some things out of him. Um, and then, of course, later that night, it's another episode of Spare Notes number 10 with myself and William Cooper. And stay tuned for that. It's, uh, it's always a great time with Coop, so I'm really excited for that. But until next time, stay smoky. We'll see you next week. Bye.